Now, having the earlier conversation with you, I think there is another benefit to set up the corporation, and I always know the benefit of setting up the corporation to own life insurance product. There is also individual pension plan that you can you can do within your corporation. Um, you create your own pension plan. You use gross revenue to contribute to your pension plan. That's something that's commonly used in the um, uh, professional professional industry. So, doctor centers, healthcare professionals. These are the reasons why the, these are the reasons why you should set up a corporation. It's a great question. It's also the number one questions that I get. <laughs> Everyone asks me the same question: Should I set up a corporation to do to to for my professional practice? Welcome back, everybody, and we are back with the third part and third segment of our mini series with Cherry Chan. And this time we're going to discuss a topic that everybody wants to know, and it's should I incorporate yes or no? That's a million-dollar question, but I think we can answer it relatively quickly. And I have my idea on it, and I want to know what Cherry thinks about it. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Last uh, thing that I wanted to. Address and as I mentioned earlier, it's a quite controversial because uh, many people have many philosophies around this. I'm going to ask the question anyways because I want to know from a professional's opinion. I can have my own opinion, and my opinion is irrelevant because I'm not an accountant. So, but I do want to have your opinion. For most healthcare professionals, uh, let's just say doctors, dentists, uh, nurse practitioners. What is your overall sense of incorporation? Good thing, bad thing. Should people do it? When should people do it? It's a great question. It's also the number one questions that I get. <laughs> Everyone asks me the same question: Should I set up a corporation to do to to for my professional practice? Should I set up a corporation for my real estate business? There are so many uh, decision factor that goes into it. In a nutshell, um, in Canada, at least in Canada, under the Income Tax Act, our tax system is designed in a way that you pay more or less the same amount of money, paying more or less the same amount of taxes, whether you own your business in your personal name or in the corporation. If you take out the the entire balance from your corporation as income, that's that's essentially called tax integration. Now let's use an example. If you make, you earn, you net, net after deducting all your expenses, hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You report hundred and fifty thousand dollar taxable income in your personal name. You're liable for forty five thousand dollars of uh, personal income tax, roughly. 
a little bit over that, but let's say it's it, it's rounded down to forty five thousand. Now, if you are own your business or your practice in your corporation, and you that same hundred and fifty thousand dollars would be ta first taxed as um, the small business company tax rate, which is twelve point two percent, and you take out the whatever the residual residual amount, and you put it all in your personal name as a dividend. Um, the amount of personal tax that you would have to pay plus the amount of corporation tax that you pay, the combined would equal more or less as 45000 as if yes. you were to own it in your personal name. That's yes. tax integration. Now, now that we get it out of the way, which means that if you make more or less and you need that entire balance after you pay the, uh, the government share, you need that entire balance to support your lifestyle, then there is no point setting up the corporation from a tax perspective. Correct. Okay. Now, but then if you are not spending as much, because $150,000 is quite a bit. If you all you need is $60,000, $80,000 or $100,000, depending on the ratio, if you have no mortgage and you just need $80,000 to survive, to support your lifestyle, pay for the golf membership, everything, then maybe there is a benefit to set up the corporation. Typically, I tell my client, like, if you are thinking of, uh, if you net more than what you need, you should think about setting up a corporation. And we do an analysis on what they really truly need because a lot of them would have expenses that could be qualified as a per, uh, business expense. So it's irrelevant in our calculation. We have to go through that analysis and decide what they need and then see if there is benefit. Now, having the earlier conversation with you, I think there is an other benefit to set up the corporation. And I always know the benefit of setting up the corporation to own life insurance product. We, I'm in the middle of accepting my own proposal and sending the money off to set up my whole life insurance. And in the whole life insurance world, the, the money flows matters. Yes. So the, the way that you funnel your cash matters. Um, it may actually be a great way to set up a corporation even initially at the very beginning when you first graduated because all the money from your business, from your practice could go into the life insurance first and you can funnel it out to pay for your expenses and the interest would then be tax deductible. So this is something that could really be beneficial and you pay very little tax rate and you get two assets all at the same time. Right. Let me backtrack a little bit so that I can make you break it down in small pieces. So from what I understand is that if you take out of the corporation the same amount that you make, so there's no retained earning, zero retained earning in your corporation, from a tax perspective and tax lens only, it does not make sense because of this tax integration philosophy that you'll roughly pay the same amount of tax, whether you, whether you are incorporated or not. This is from a tax perspective. Yes. If you are, if you are taking out less than what you make, then even from this perspective, it does make sense to incorporate if you take less. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you take it out as salary or whether you take it out as dividend, be, again, because of this tax integration, the differences are not that big. No. But this is only looking at from a tax perspective. Yes. If we're looking at it from a strategic planning, fi financial strategic planning perspective, which includes tax, which includes cash flow, which includes estate planning, which includes inheritance, which includes a whole bunch of things, not just taxes. Absolutely. In your mind and in my mind, it's 
still make sense if we're looking at, for example, critical illness insurance or whole life insurance, permanent life insurance, it still makes sense to incorporate and purchase those under the corporation, even though at the end of the year, we have zero retained earnings in the corp because of all the other benefits. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, so I'm glad that we both uh, are agreeing to this because it's, it's like you, it's very controversial. Uh, A lot of accountants are looking at it only from a tax perspective and telling their clients not to incorporate because they don't leave money in the corp. What you're saying and what I'm saying is, other than looking at from the tax perspective, there are many other benefits that the corp will, will provide even though you leave no money in the corp. Mm-hmm, absolutely. We are going to do another podcast on like a little bit further on real estate investing and real estate taxation as well. There yes. are a lot of benefit by setting up the corporation um, that would also allow you to do um, other investment as well. So life insurance is just one example. There is also individual pension plan that you can, you can do within your corporation. You create your own pension plan. You use gross revenue to contribute to your pension plan. That's something that's commonly used in the um, uh, professional um, professional industry. So doctor centers, healthcare professionals. Um, so these are the reasons why the, these are the reasons why you should set up a corporation for sure. Yes. But that's has nothing to do with taxes, right? Absolutely. No. Thank you very much for bringing those issues because those are things that most physicians and most healthcare professionals do not first they do not think about because they do not know you're you're very right so the one thing is insurance could be bought through the corporation uh, real estate could be bought through the corporation and pension plans could be within the corporation and you mentioned uh, individual pension plan so IPP there's also now PPP there's also RCA, registered compensation arrangements. So all these within the corporation has a lot of benefit beside taxes. Uh, and so definitely, in my mind, uh, everybody should incorporate if they get a chance. For healthcare professionals. Yes. For sure. Well, yeah. even, even small business owners, right? I, I believe that most small business owners should incorporate. The reason why I don't say it, it should apply to every single business owners out there. Um, it's the reason that I know five, um, I think there's a very significant chance. I don't remember the statistics anyway. Um, I think only 50% of the small business would survive beyond the uh, first three years. Oh, like, right. like there's a lot of business don't survive. And with COVID right now, it's, it's, you see that, yeah, last night I went out, uh, I live in Oakville, so I can, I can go out to a restaurant. Yeah. Um, last night I went out to a restaurant we were seated outside the entire restaurant's empty it's it's similar style as a uh, milestone so it's like yeah. very big indoor very nice this time of the year is christmas time of the year right like you yeah. would have expected a lot of patrons in the restaurant it's completely empty and yeah. what's the government doing 10 people it's ridiculous if you have such a big restaurant yeah yeah so a lot of small business would not survive this uh, pandemic no, you're, you make a good point. And your your statement about healthcare professionals, I think is bang on because 
small business owners may not survive because their risk, their business risk is so much higher than ours. I, I tell people that in healthcare, healthcare professionals are really, really lucky uh, because we have a job for life, literally. Uh, and uh, we will never go, uh, we will never go out of business because there's always people to look after. So that's, that's the difference. And, and thank you for pointing that out. That, that's true. We are all uh, extremely lucky. As long as we focus on what we have, we are all extremely lucky. We should always be grateful for what we have. I agree to that too. I agree to that too. Yes, thank you very much. I, I absolutely agree with that statement. Before we end this podcast, is there something that you would like to tell us healthcare professionals from, a, from an accountant perspective? Hey guys, don't do this, do this. Is there something that's burning on your chest that you want to get out to us? Here's your chance. I, I don't think it's necessarily healthcare professional specific. I think it applies to everyone. It's the cash flow management of your life. Um, I started off, I'm also a professional, I'm a CA, now called CPA. I started out making good money, decent money. I graduated with a job offer on the table. And I have every single year, my salary got bumped up, uh, but I was spending more than I, um, I wouldn't say I was spending more, but I had no saving. I think it, it's the generation, how we were raised. <laughs> we are extremely lucky, extremely spoiled, but at the same time, it's about spending. It's an, the spending economy that we're in right, right now. Right. Um, it's so important for us to learn how to invest uh, in the most tax efficient way. And the biggest thing that uh, I've learned over the years, because I've started investing since 2000, um, 2010, is that, hey, if you make $100,000 by buying uh, an investment property, yes, you have to save up for the down payment, whatever. That $100,000, it's only 50% taxable. So $50,000 is taxable. The other 50% is not taxable. So if I use 50% tax rate, which is the highest marginal tax rate in Ontario. Isn't it I only 52? Pay, it's 53 and a half. <laughs> oh my but God. Let's, let's just, just say it's 50% round it yes. down. So yes. you only pay 25,000. Yeah. If you were to make that $100,000 capital gain, you have to invest so much more money and time, not money, but time. It ties up so much more, ties you up so much more. And you pay 100%, you pay taxes on the 100% of the income. Yeah. So it's, it's, yes, it's about how much you can make, but it's also how much you can retain and how much at return on effort that you, you, you need to measure. Having the ability to save early and invest early for yourself and understand how the tax system works because capital gain is only 50% deductible uh, and buy, buying your own primary residence. Yes, it's, it sucks to have a big mortgage payment. Buying the primary residence is also tax-free if you live there and use it for as your primary residence. Mm. Uh, like all, taking advantage of all these tax-free assets that's allowed and taking advantage of the investment, you don't have to work nearly as hard in your future. Yes. That's really my two cents. Oh, Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that because I, that's why I've been doing this podcast. Uh, I've been doing this podcast, not to get people richer, uh, not so that they can go out and buy a Porsche, even though I want to have one, <laughs> but that's not the goal. The goal is to help people manage their cash flow, manage their money so that they don't have to, I call it run on the hamster treadmill every single day to generate the income they need for their lifestyle. 
And I think the point that you mentioned is, is not how much you make, it's how much you keep that's important. And so understanding the tax structure, understanding the tax burden is definitely key to this. Absolutely. And, uh, and to your point, managing cash flow is important. So, you know, one thing that I say to, I say to my friends and colleagues all the time is that as, uh, as adults, we fail the marshmallow test all the time. And so you, you know about the marshmallow test from the Stanford study where you ask, uh, where they go okay. in and they put the marshmallow in, on the table and they ask a five-year-old kid, if you don't eat this marshmallow and I come back in 10 minutes, you get two. And so those kids who are able to defer their gratification, uh, it has been shown that they actually do better in life. Whereas those kids who, the moment they leave the room, they swallow the marshmallow, uh, those kids typically do not do as well in life. So deferred gratification and knowing how to manage money is very important. And thank you very much today for uh, sharing your insight about everything about taxes. Well, maybe not everything, some, th- some things about taxes and uh, your, your insight about cars, um, which you. is a, a favorite topic of mine. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Sherry, if uh, people wanted to reach you or wanted to connect with you, is there a way for them to look you up uh, either by phone or website? So uh, you can visit realestatetaxtips.ca and that would be my website, realestatetaxtips.ca uh, or you can just search Cherry Chen uh, on the internet and the website will pop up. Okay, very mm. good. And for those of us who uh, are looking at investment in real estate or at least want to play in the real estate market, uh, your book is very, very uh, good uh, to understand what to do and what not to do. So if, uh, if you guys have not read the book, yes, please read the book. What's the name of the book again? Uh, the Can- Complete Taxation Guide for Canadians in USA Investing. <laughs> it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe in your next edition, you shorten it a little bit. No, it's, it's a good name. Complete a Taxation good... Guide for Canadian Real Estate Investing. Yes, that's a good name. That's a good my, name. My next book is coming out for real estate agents. Hopefully yes. one day I can write a book just for physicians and dentists. That's oh, I hope goal. you do. I hope you do because uh, I'll be the first one to buy it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I may need some, I may need to pick your brain on it. <laughs> Definitely. Well, there you have it. We have Cherry's opinion on this, on whether we should incorporate or not. And it seems like there are more reasons that healthcare professionals, especially physicians, dentists, and I'm going to include the lawyers here because they are also independent professionals. If they can create a corporation, there is more reasons to create a corporation than there are not to create a corporation. And from my perspective and my perspective alone, this has nothing to do with Cherry's opinion, is that if you can incorporate, you should. There are not many reasons why one should not. And I think Cherry made a good point to say that small business owners probably don't belong in this category. But as healthcare professionals, definitely it makes sense to incorporate, even if you leave zero dollars and zero retained earnings in the corporation. The main reasons why accountants and advisors advise their clients not to incorporate is 
the argument of, well, if you spend every single dollar within your corporation and you take everything out personally and leave zero retained earnings in the company, it makes no financial or tax sense to incorporate. Here in our discussion with Cherry, we can see that, yes, she is right if we look at only from the tax perspective. But if we look at strategic planning and financial strategic planning perspective, it still makes sense to incorporate. And here's why. I can list at least six major reasons why the benefits of incorporation outweighs any of the incorporation risk that we can think of. So in terms of risk, we think about, okay, it's an added cost and added tax filing. Well, if your accountant is already doing your personal tax uh, filing, I believe that your accountant would be happy to do an additional tax filing for your corporation as your accountant would be making additional money. So I don't believe that that would be the reason. The other reason that we think incorporation is a risk is, well, it costs a bit more. Obviously, it does cost more to set it up and to pay for that tax filing every year. But when you look at how much it costs to incorporate, and if you do it with your medical association, for example, the OMA, well, they can do it for a reasonable price. And also with lawyers that you can find, they can help you to incorporate also at a reasonable price. And then afterwards, every year you have to do tax filing for the corporation. And again, depending on what account and which accountant you have, they may charge you either as, as little as, as possible or they can rip you off as much as possible. And if you have an accountant that is ripping you off, maybe the, the choice is to change the accountant and not, the, not incorporating. Now, I mentioned at least six major benefits. Benefit number one, and we've talked about this with Cherry in the previous segments. You can deduct more conferences off your corporation than if you can on a personal level. As Cherry mentioned, we mentioned on a personal level, you can deduct up to a maximum of two, whereas within the corporation, you can deduct more than two, and there doesn't seem to be a limit. So if you're the type of professional who travels a lot in a year to either present at a conference or attend conferences, and you do that more than three, four times a year, already that makes sense from a, even from a tax perspective. Two, we, want, we talked about car deductions. Now, you have to be careful with car deductions, but it seems like if you do it within a corporation, the rules are simpler and the method of keeping track is simpler. Third reason, well, it's about insurances. Insurance is a big part and a major part of risk mitigation. I'm a strong believer that once you are married or you have kids, you have no choice but to get insurances. And so here, what am I talking about? I'm talking about life insurance. Whether you want to buy term insurance or you want to buy whole life, I think once you are considering to buy insurance, uh, it makes more sense to buy the insurance within the corporation. If you are buying it on a personal level, you are using about 48 cents on the dollar versus if you buy it inside the corp, you're using about 88 cents on the dollar. So from a monetary efficiency perspective, you get more bang out of your buck by purchasing the insurance product inside your corporation than if you did it on a personal level. 
one might say, well, I'm only buying life insurance. It's only one policy. It's a term. But hold on. You could also do that with a critical illness insurance policy. The question is, do you need one and do you want one? My strong belief is that everybody should have a critical illness policy, especially for high income earners, whether we're talking about doctors, dentists, nurse practitioners, or physician assistants. And don't forget, everybody who's part of your corporation, so all the shareholder, may it be your partner, your spouse, and your adult children, are part of your corporation, and they are shareholders. So the corporation can actually purchase life insurance for them as well. So all of a sudden, you're not talking about one life policy, you're talking about multiple life policies. And you may be talking about multiple critical illness policies. And as you can see, as those policies start to rise and mount up, the cost savings is actually quite humongous. So even if you leave $0 in the corporation, if you've used every single penny, but part of those pennies and part of those dollars are used to buy insurance products, it is much more efficient to buy it inside a corporation than if you use the exact same amount of dollars and pennies, but to buy it on a personal level. Since we're talking about other shareholders within the corporation, well, you know, the corporation can employ those shareholders, for example, your spouse, your partner, your adult children to work for the corporation. And of course, we have to do it within the CRA rules and within the reasonable means test. Another benefit of having a corporation is what Cherry was talking about, and this was her expertise, real estate. So how to invest in real estate in a tax efficient manner. And from her perspective, this efficient manner can be done via a corporation. Obviously, people can own real estate, investment real estate in a personal name, but the most efficient way is still via in a corporation. Finally, Cherry talked about this a little bit and skimmed through it a little bit. A lot of physicians are envious, and I've talked about this in my previous podcast. They're envious of people who work in hospitals and institutions. Why? Because they are envious of their pensions. Well, as I mentioned, there is no more need to be envious because professional corporations and small business can also create their own pensions. And whether we are talking about IPP, PPP, or even MEPP, and this is a new term, MEPP is Multiple Employer Pension Plans. So for all these pension plans, you cannot do it if you do not have a corporation. As a person, you cannot create a pension. So physician, Dr. Tran, cannot create a pension. But Dr. Vuket Tran, MPC, absolutely has all the legal rights to create a pension. And that pension can exist for Dr. Tran, Dr. Tran and his wife, and Dr. Tran and his kids. And so you can understand that that will not be possible without a corporation. And again, I repeat this one more time, just because we leave $0 in the corporation does not negate all the other benefits that I've just enumerated here. I think of incorporation the same way I think of vaccinations. I think this is a great analogy. I don't believe that anyone who listens to this podcast who's a healthcare professional would be an anti-vaxxer. So we as healthcare professionals in general 
believe in vaccination, whether you talk about tetanus, whether you talk about measles, mumps, rubella, MMR, or even Prevnar or Pneumovax, any of these. And now let's take, for example, the COVID vaccine. There are much, much more benefit to vaccination than there will ever be for risk. I think the only reason why we would not recommend our patients to be vaccinated, regardless of the immunization, name any of them, is really the side effects and allergies. But even in side effects and allergies, the real true reason we would not recommend immunization is really anaphylaxis. So as a healthcare professional, you really have to give compelling reasons, compelling arguments not to recommend immunization. And so the same thing is in my mind for incorporation. You really have to give compelling reasons as to why you should not incorporate. In my mind, the answer is not, or the question is not whether you should incorporate. The question is, give me compelling reasons why I should not incorporate. And I'm saying this because I see this on social media a lot from accountants and from advisors. And trust me, I have a lot of accountant and advisor friends. Unfortunately, I don't believe that what they're saying is really applicable to healthcare professionals. If you think about it, we've talked a lot about the reasons why you should incorporate. There are so many reasons and there are so little downfall and risk. If you decide not to incorporate, you need to know what you are foregoing. And what you are foregoing is all the benefits. And so all the benefits of immunization, if you're not taking that, what are you foregoing? And the only true reason not to do it is anaphylaxis. And so for me, what is the true reason not to incorporate? Leaving zero dollars and zero retained earnings in the corporation is not a true reason, is not an absolute contraindication. And so therefore, if your accountant or your advisor is advising you not to incorporate, then in my mind, they have to give really good, compelling arguments not to. Short of that, I don't believe that the advice is optimal. I see on social media that advisors will always say, well, it has to be customized and it has to be individualized. Well, of course, for me, that's a given. That's a given for financial planning. And so if the benefits for incorporation is so strong versus few risk, in my mind, the recommendation should be if you can, you should. So if you can incorporate, you should. The same reason that if you can receive the vaccine, you should. And you must provide compelling reasons not to recommend it. Obviously, you're always going to individualize and customize. Most financial advisors know all the benefits of incorporation. And for the most part, they admit that they will generally and typically and most often recommend incorporation. In very few instances, do they not? And so in those instances, they have to make a compelling argument of why not. So as you can see, I am not ambivalent about incorporation at all. What I don't want to see is us as healthcare professionals getting advice from accountants and advisors only based on one aspect of the decision, and that is a tax aspect. Because 
from a strategic perspective, there are many more reasons to do it than not to do it. And so please look at all aspects of incorporation and all benefits from all sides before you decide not to do it. There is a tremendous opportunity cost here. By saving a few dollars here and there, what is it that you are foregoing? What are the other opportunities? Make sure you understand the cost, but also the opportunity cost. I'm going to take this opportunity again to put a little plug about my virtual workshop that is happening on June 4th. It's a whole day event from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and it will be done virtually via Zoom and where we're going to be going through the basics of personal financial literacy. Although it's a course for basic concepts, I will introduce in there little nuggets of more sophisticated concepts as well. And it's not a one-day didactic course. It's meant to be a workshop. So please come and join me. It will be interactive. It will be fun. And it will be on June 4th. Please visit www.beautifultimesinc.ca. So beautifultimesinc.ca in one word forward slash conference and workshops in one word. So the website is www.beautifultimesinc.ca forward slash conference and workshops. So June 4th, see you guys there. If you want to reach out to me, you can go on to my new website, financialhealthdoc.com. Again, it is financialhealthdoc.com or email me at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. One more time, it is hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.